be back. Um, we also have been out. We were in Wales with the church there. Mike and Shemaine have just come back from Australia in ministry there. And uh, I want to say there's a scripture in somewhere in the Bible, definitely in the Bible, where uh, David says this about um, him and some of the guys go off chasing off the enemy and destroy them and they plunder the enemy. And when they come back, the guys that went with David said, look, let's share out the plunder amongst us and let's ignore the guys that stayed in the camp. And uh, David instituted the, the rule that the, the share belonged to those that stayed in the camp and guarded the goods as much as those that went into battle to plunder the enemy. And though some of you may not have been a part of these trips, being a part of this church means that you share in the inheritance uh, that we have together in the work that gets done into the nations. And uh, so again, we had an amazing time with Heath and Lear in Wales and got to have the opportunity, I think, to share um, some of that with you guys as well. It is good to be back. It's the 31st of August. Can you believe it? Tomorrow is the 1st of September. And you know what that means, hey? The end of summer, baby. That, that's it, it's over. And so we get, so from tomorrow, the temperature is going to be beautiful 30 degrees every day, no higher, 14 in the morning. That, everything else that I say you can believe, that you're going to have to take with a pinch of salt. It also is the beginning, as we were, of our year. Many of our kids are going to head off to school um, now in the first week in September. Um, those, um, our, many of our financial year ends or start of years will begin now. There is a, there's a sense that we're stuck. Let's get on with it. Now, the Northern Hemisphere, look, we're starting again. And uh, we've got now until the summer starts again next year, July, um, to really, and I know we, we're always at work, even as, as I just said, the kingdom never um, sleeps. We're always advancing it. But there is a sense of let's make the most of the time that's ahead of us. I want to say, friends, how are you doing? How are you doing spiritually? I'm, I'm not wanting a cheer and a, and a whoop and a holler though I'm sure I could get one or two of those. I'm, uh, I wonder, how are you doing in your spiritual walk and in following Jesus Christ? I was just reminded that we need to take our walk with Christ so seriously. It's a, it's a serious thing. It doesn't mean that we can't be full of joy and jump and shout and, and have fun along the way, but, there, but this that we're involved with is the most important, the most serious thing that we can be involved in our lives. It affects our marriages, our children, as we bring them up. I cannot think of one thing more that I want to put into my children than that they are loved by Jesus and that they love Jesus. There's nothing else, literally, there's nothing that compares to that. Not nothing. Not even passing on my good looks or my sporting ability or any of those things compare to them knowing Jesus Christ. And so I want to say to you, how are you doing in following Jesus? I preached on that a few weeks ago. And I said we have to follow him with, uh, with immediate obedience, without looking back and counting the cost. And I want to remind you of that, because friends, we have, this is, this is important. It's important to you. You were created to be in relationship with God. There is nothing more important than that relationship. You were created, He's prepared in advance good works for us to do. There's nothing more important that we can accomplish in this life than the fulfillment of those good works. I don't want to stand before God one day and say, I did this, Lord. And he goes, yeah, but I asked you to do this. Do you know what I mean? Well, however magnificent this may appear, it's this that I want to do. And so I want to take it seriously. And, I, and as a pastor in the life of this church, and a, one of the phrases I used uh, in, in, in the kind of olden days, 
happens at that function was to care for your soul, the care of your soul, is to exhort you and call you to that as well. And one of the areas that, uh, that is most essential in our pursuit of Christ and our fulfilling, uh, being, fulfilling His purpose in this life is the area of prayer. And the title of my prayer today is, Why Pray? Now, I had such unbelievable transitions on these slides that you would have wept when one slide changes. They were so amazing. The software cannot keep it up. So I just want you, every time you see a slide change, just breathe in a little bit, anticipation of, of what actually was taking place. So uh, I didn't waste seven hours or anything preparing the slides. But I want to ask this question, why pray? In Acts 2, verse 42, there's a few other things in there, but it says this as well. They devoted themselves to prayer. The first disciples. I love the fact that the Bible comes and gives us the standard that we don't get to move around. We want to compare ourselves to other people. So compared to Johnny, maybe you're an unbelievable prayer, or maybe compared to him, you're a useless prayer, or whatever it is. But the Bible sets us a standard that is that is unmoving. They devoted themselves to, amongst other things, the prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And so we have to ask the question is, why pray? The Bible is full of examples of prayers that are prayed. You can go read uh, Nehemiah's prayer or Daniel's prayer or Peter's prayer or whatever it is. There's examples uh, of, um, of men praying, not least of all our own Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who prayed. I think there were more accounts of him going off to pray or praying publicly than anybody else. And there's an exhortation and encouragement all through the scriptures that when we face this circumstance, we're to pray. When we have this victory, we're to pray. When this happens, we're to pray. And even in scripture, we see examples of, of pagans praying. In 1 Kings 18, Elijah's up on the mountain. The prophets of Baal have come, get, contend together against each other. And they pray. I mean, they're praying. They, they put some of our prayer to shame, man. Those guys are praying. They are full of faith. I don't believe they're praying without faith. I believe they really believe what they're praying. They're so convinced that as they pray, they'll get the answer to what they're praying for. And they pray with intensity and with passion and with weirdness. And uh, they, we know they don't get the answer to their prayer because the one that we're praying to doesn't even exist. But what is prayer? Why should we pray? Prayer is something that at times feels unnatural to us. And yet, actually, it is incredibly natural to the believer. In fact, in some ways, it's natural to every human being. You watch people when they get into trouble, even if they're the biggest atheist in the world, what is the first thing they do? They start praying, man. Like, I don't even know if you exist. I don't, I, I don't believe you. I definitely don't. But if you do, please help me now, Rhonda. You know, they pray those prayers. If you help me now, Lord, whoever you are, then I will, for the rest of my life, I'll follow you all. For the rest of my life, I'll do A, B, or C. And then the thing happens, they, whew, they finish it, and they walk away from it often. But, but it's, it's instinctive to us to pray, but it's not automatic. It's not, I find that as I've gone on in my walk with God, even the familiarity of prayer, things that were so new to me when I first met the Lord that I could kind of just go into my closet and pray became familiar. It's been year after year after year after year of, of going in and praying and asking for things. And there's times where I haven't prayed and, and, and God has still continued to bless and, and keep things going and and it begins to begin to wonder, like, like, why even pray? God knows what we're going to pray before we ask. It's sometimes it's hard work praying. It's like a labor. I, I think that's why some of our pre-service prayer times are so undersubscribed. 
even though you all know we pray at quarter past nine in the morning. Hey, we pray, not we pray, we pray at quarter past nine. And we had, I think, six of us there this morning when we started. But you're invited to that because one of the reasons why we don't come is it's hard. How do I communicate? What do I say? What, what is it all about? And that's what I want to look at today. First of all, that we, um, we pray because prayer is intimacy. See, we were created for relationship. We were created for relationship horizontally. I, I see Karen and Chantal loving upon each other in the front. Just come, church guys, please. Get your hands off each other. Let's go on here. But we were created for intimacy. No, you can keep them. It's fine. There's this, we were, we were, uh, it's, un, it's unusual for somebody to be called not to be married. That is, a, that is a case for some. But most of us in our lives, we'll find somebody that we'll marry. We will, we'll be intimate with that person. And even if we don't get married, we'll find intimacy in our parent or relationship with our parents or with our extended family or with our friends. You were, we created intimacy, but what we see expressed horizontally is actually just a picture of what God has intended for us in our intimacy with Him. See, the whole point of salvation is not just that our sins are forgiven, because the, uh, the, the problem with our sinfulness means that it separates us from God. But when God forgives us our sin, He doesn't say, well, go live off in some neighborhood far away over there. Your sins are forgiven. You're not going to be punished. No, no. The whole point of salvation is we are forgiven so that we can be reconciled. Listen to the language the Bible uses. Reconciliation, adoption. Uh, Paul writes in Ephesians, he says, you were outside, you were outsiders, now you're in. You were foreigners and aliens, now you're citizens. You're part of the, the household of God. That's, that's what he intends for us. And, um, and that's why I think worship is such an essential part of prayer. I actually wonder if we can draw lines between worship and prayer and reading the word. I think they bleed into each other. I think our, our times of prayer should be times of worship. I, I sometimes sing my prayers to God. It, it would sound, I'm so glad I pray those prayers in private. Although I was praying the other day, and I think the maid was outside listening to me, thinking, what a crazy boss I have here. You know what I mean? She was cleaning the house. Um, but I, I love to sing my praise to God. I love to be intimate in that way with God. And uh, as we go through the scriptures, we see there's a whole lot of names that we're given for God. Some of them that were introduced right at the beginning of the scriptures is, is the name Yahweh. And in the Old Testament, that is the, the, it's the name translated in capital letters, the Lord, in most of our Bibles. And it's the most sacred name of God, so sacred, in fact, that the Jews wouldn't even say it. They took out the vowels, and you end up with an unpronounceable word. But it means, basically, the, self, the eternal, self-existing God. It's when God says, I am. I'm, I am. I'm Yahweh. El Shaddai means the Lord God Almighty. What a beautiful name. El Shaddai, the mountain God, the God of more than enough. What a great way to pray. I come to you, El Shaddai. What about El Elyon, the God most high or the most high God? He's a sovereign ruler of the universe. El Adonai, meaning Lord, Master, or Owner. And any of these phrases, we, any of these names we could use to pray to God and we come into His presence and, and maybe when you're facing some real trial as you come before you, you come before him as as um, El Shaddai and you pray but when Jesus was asked by his disciples how do we pray what was the name that he told us to use to pray to God with do you remember our father our father Abba father and uh, there's a whole lot of different languages of what uh, of how different people pronounce uh, say father but all of those are what God intends for us to use father my father our Father, 
Abba, Daddy, who dwells in heaven, praise be your name. There's this, there's this um, call to intimacy. In the, in the scriptures, there's no spiritual ladder we climb. It's not like we, once we can memorize the order of the books of the Bible, then we suddenly have access into the presence of God. I mean, the, the, the newest convert to Christ, the babe in Christ, and the person that's been following Jesus for their whole lives has the same access to God the Father. Every single one of us, there is, there is no lack of intimacy. We don't have to work our way in until we're good enough to come into the presence of God. So, of course, prayer is more than this, and, and the Scripture reveals it, and I'll come into some of those things in a moment, but it's never less than intimacy with God. I love this definition by Rolf Martin, who says, Prayer is at root simply paying attention to God. Prayer is at root simply paying attention to God. David wrote some amazing psalms. One of them, Psalm 63, verse 1, he says this. He says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. What he's saying to us is that our, our very flesh begins to falter and fail. Our souls begin to wither when we're not spending time in the presence of God. And that's what prayer is about. Don't worry about opening your closet and saying, what is my list of the things I need to pray to pray for today? And I, and I think we do need to pray over things and intercede, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But prayer, first and foremost, is intimacy. It's a place you open the door, you go into your quiet place, and you close it again, and you engage with the lover of your soul that refreshes our souls, refreshes our bodies. I think, friends, so many of the sicknesses, so many of the anxieties, so many of the difficulties that we feel like we cannot endure, we'd be able to walk through with ease if we were spending more time in the presence of God as He ministers to us. Prayer is intimacy. Secondly, prayer is knowledge. And I'll explain that to you. Colossians 1 verse 9 says, Paul praying, he says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. One of my favorite commentators, I was actually, I found a Bible bookstore in London and I bought um, some of his commentaries. They, like, they were selling for six pounds for 30 dirham. And then I planned to go back and buy like a whole lot more and I never got back to that. Anyway, I bought a whole lot, and I'm not giving any of them away. I was going to buy some for presents, but I didn't get enough, so I'm keeping them all. But William Barclay says this. He says, prayer begins by asking that we may be filled with an ever-growing knowledge of the will of God. Listen to that again. That we may be filled with an ever-growing knowledge of the will of God. Its great purpose is to know the will of God. It's so amazing how often we come into prayer times with God with a list of things that we want Him to do. Hey, uh, we Sajid spoke about the times of Ignite, the, the Ignite evenings that we're going to have. And once a month, we're going to pray down here. We're going to have the worship team lead us in worship. It's going to be praise, prayer, and prophecy. And you're going to say, well, Rob, what are we going to pray about on those nights? We're, we're not going to set topics unless something of an emergency as a word comes up or something really with a prophetic weight comes up. It's 